Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier. Stephen Chicken here, joined down the line by David Hartrick, who has expressed uh, a rather disgusting opinion to me on WhatsApp over the weekend that I think we need to deal with. Please explain how Rocky Four is possibly a better film than Rocky One. Mate, montages. Montages, soundtrack, Drago, quotable lines. Like, Rocky One is a great film, but Rocky Four is an all-timer an absolute all-timer. I love Rocky Four so much that I once we went in my mate's MR2 and drove to throw a motorbike helmet at the statue of Harold Wilson just because it features in one of the montages even though it's actually from Rocky Three. So, yes, absolutely love that film. And I've podcasted on it, the excellent Betamax podcast, if you want to hunt it down. Well, I mean, you, you've made a good fist of explaining that, no pun intended, but... It is just a parody of a of a Rocky film, as far as I'm concerned, rather than an actual film itself. But there we go. We'll leave it there. Huddersfield Town have beaten Coventry City 2-1. And quite similar to the chat we had about Barnsley last week, isn't it? I don't think Town were at their best by any means. I thought first half in particular, they, they struggled to get to grips with the game, struggled to get out of their own half, gave up a lot of chances to Coventry. Then suddenly, out of nowhere, they get a Harry Toffolo wonder goal. Second half, they look a lot better. Tino Andering comes on, gives the team an enormous lift, gets the other goal from the penalty spot, having played a big part in creating that the move that led to the penalty. And then Coventry get the goal late on. What do we have to say about this game, Dave, and what have we learned from it? Um, I'm a bit more up on the performance than you were. I, I, I think it was quite a good away performance, but they had a couple of really big flaws. I think way too much space between defence and midfield. Um, that Coventry were just sitting a man in there, Callum O'Hare, every single time, and nobody was picking him up. Um, and a better side with a, a proper finisher up front. Uh, that, that could have cost them, really could have cost them. But... I, I thought they were okay, you know, three changes. There's not, let's be honest, it's very difficult mentally to to treat every game as, as a must-win uh, at this stage. I thought they did okay. I thought it was a pretty professional away performance. But there there were, you know, there's, there's, there's just no way you can play that 11 and play that way in the playoffs. That's, that's the main thing I took from it. Because Coventry were... Coventry were really up for it, I thought, for about half an hour mm-hmm. in the first half. They were really, really up for it. Tough's goal really took the wind out of their sails. And then second half, I think last home game of the season, they decided to go balls to the wall, really. And Town always looked dangerous on the break, didn't they? And, the, you know, they, yeah. they, they always looked like that was slightly playing into town's hands in truth in the second half i think they were perfectly happy with that and then they had a game changer off the bench so yeah i i didn't think it was you know i didn't think by any stretch it was like a great performance but i didn't think it was a it was a sickly bad one either no i don't think it was dreadful or anything that they they did struggle to get out their own half a little bit i think they were a little bit sloppy on the ball at times there are a couple of couple of times where town were trying to play out and ended up giving it away and conceding chances off the back of that yeah definitely you were you you were at the game you were pulling your hair out at the amount of (laughs) space that Callum O'Hare had in between the lines talk to us about that Uh, like obviously when we criticize John Russell we usually get some strident comments on Twitter (laughs) about it 
the problem is you just see his um with something like that i i think it would be fair to say you see his slight lack of experience there and it's not criticism to say uh, you know a lack of experience is a issue it's not the only way you get through it is by playing but there were so many times where all he needed to do was just take a glance over his shoulder and just literally drop four feet to his side to pick him up um, and he, he just he wasn't doing because he's completely focused on what's happening in front of him and it's that that is the that is what he's got to learn for me that is the big thing that needs to come next because if you look at Lewis Lewis is obviously very high energy all over the place, but one of the things that Lewis O'Brien is very, very good at is making sure he knows the whole picture. So very rarely do you see a man get behind Lewis because he knows where everybody is in his immediate vicinity. Whereas with John Russell at the moment, it, it is quite easy just to drift into a bit of space behind him. And it, it has Town have conceded a couple of goals that way as well. Um, that's, that's the thing. So it's... I, I think... As I said, it's not some massive disparaging criticism of John Russell or anything like that, but I think in the playoffs you have to sort of address that and you address that by either dropping him a bit deeper so he can see what's in front of him a bit more or you have somebody else in that role. You you take Hogg out of that three-man defence and you have him in that role so he doesn't have to worry about what's behind him. But I, I thought defensively their plans sort of kind of worked apart from that aspect really which which Coventry kept getting a little bit of joy mm. on the edge of the box from which they were trying to push their crosses wide and down into the corners and then trying to congest the middle um, and you know broadly speaking it worked but like if, if Cov had a cut, cutting edge they'd be in the playoffs wouldn't they because they do move yeah. the ball well and they do pass the ball well um, but they just they, they remind me of, they remind me of where town were <laughs> In a funny sort of way, yeah, they they do seem like they are a finisher away from being a, a playoff contender. Coventry, I've always been impressed by how hard working they are. This is a game where they had nothing to play for, and they were still sort of going at it. And you only need to look at their performance against XG to see how many chances, good chances, they wasted this season. It wasn't just a new thing in this game against Town, but. We're more interested in what, what Town are doing. I mean, Scott High came into midfield as well. It's not just all on John Russell. It was a, quite a, a youthful pairing there, and it was a pairing initially. And then it sort of it became a 3-5-2. After about 25 minutes, half an hour, Carlos Colbrand changed it, put Dwayne Holmes up top with um, with Jordan Rhodes rather than playing him sort of either side with Lewis O'Brien. O'Brien sort of dropped back deeper into midfield but initially it was High and, and Russell I quite liked what we saw from Scott High in the opposition half he, he made a couple of decent chances when when Town did get forward in the first sort of 40 minutes or so on those rare occasions it was invariably High that was carrying the ball and or and or playing the final ball through and he had a couple of, of nice moments there nice dummy run just before the goal as well lays it off to Harry Toffolo and then heads out wide to buy Toffolo the space to come inside although I think nobody was expecting Harry Toffolo to do what he did from there um, but I thought off the ball Scott High and on the ball in his own half there's still things to work on there we, again as with John Russell we're talking about a young player aren't we yeah it's decision making isn't it that's that's we were we were both watching mm. him and it's just he makes good decisions with forward passes but 
yeah, aside and going back often, he's. Um, I wouldn't say he makes the wrong decision, but he he quite often plays the ball to alleviate the pressure on himself that immediately drops somebody else into pressure. And sometimes there is, without being all proper football man, sometimes just just clear the ball, get some distance on it, and and you know release the tap that way. But. I, I thought he I thought he was okay actually Scott mm-hmm. I thought he was okay and I thought that he played like a man with something to prove and I, I think we all know why that is without going into it obviously he does get a bit of criticism but yeah it was it was a very youthful midfield bearing and I, I you could see that you could see that but also I think Scott Hyde brings so much energy going forward. Yeah. He, he's a real live wire presence when they go forward, and he's very difficult for opposition defences to pick up. So I think me, me and you are fans of Scott Hyde. We appreciate that some people aren't. Um, but yeah, he's he's just he's learning his craft, isn't he? Yeah, and I think it. you make a good point there. The fact that he has come into the starting lineup has not come out of nowhere. We've seen him come off the bench recently, but he did have quite an extended spell out of the side and I think out of the squad altogether and has worked his way back in and I asked Carlos about that after the game and said is it sort of a, a result of hard work in training etc and obviously said that's part of it he also said he felt that he basically said he feels that Jonathan Hogg and John Russell can't really play together or at least wouldn't have been right for this game which I thought was interesting said they're both positional midfielders by which he means sort of more defensive midfielders and he wanted someone with more energy in midfield, which which he felt was Scott High, I think sort of probably the what he's not saying there is um, he had he did that ended up doing that because he had to play Lewis felt he had to play Lewis O'Brien on the wing mm. because he didn't particularly fancy any of his other options with Sorba Thomas out injured. Tino Andrin seemingly not fit for a start yet although we'll come on to him in a moment. We'd, I think we'd all love to see him get a start against Bristol City now. Dwayne Holmes obviously played on the other side so I don't particularly love Lewis O'Brien on the wing but I think if you are going to play him there and you you need an extra midfielder to cover for that then Scott High is the the natural player for that he's he's got the more similar skill set to Lewis O'Brien even if obviously he's some way behind him in terms of his his all-round game yeah and I I think um, the wing backs need a runner in front of them as well because mm-hmm. that that position does create so much space for them um, either side. So yeah, and the the Hog Russell thing is is true because how can I put it politely? You've got quite a static midfield with them too. It would be fair to say, and you do need to be able to move the opposition about more than anything you you can't you can't really be that passive so yeah you know like Scott High as it stands has got has got a place in this in this squad and it it'll be interesting to see in going into the playoffs whether Scott High stays on the bench because I think he's I think he's probably earned it when you look at the when you look at the other options at the moment Carol Lighting seems to be way down the list um, and he's—I mean, he was on the on the bench on Saturday, but yeah, seems like Scott Higher sort of leapfrogged his way into at least match day squad contention again. That's it, and he could be useful for certain moments of certain games. I think he, you know, Carlos said he wanted him specifically because he thought there would could be opportunities on the counter attack against Coventry. As I say, I think that realistically, in a squad where Tino Andrian is a starting option, Dwayne Holmes is a starting option, Danel Sinani is back. 
you know, I think you probably put O'Brien back into midfield and you play mm. one of those, you know, Sonani, Thomas, Holmes, <laughs> or Andrian takes that left wing berth. But it's a it's a nice option to have. And speaking of Tino Andrian, we've been waiting a while for that, haven't we, Dave? We've seen six previous substitute appearances where, let's be honest, he's he's really done nothing, and we've just been waiting for the lad that we saw on the highlight reels, the lad that we scouted back in January when it became clear that Town were going to sign him. And finally, we got him in this game. It was a, a real brilliant performance, brilliant 25 minutes from the bench from, from Tino Andrin. Yeah, it was. He, he looked half a stone lighter. He looked somewhere near fully fit. And he looked like he'd got his touch back. And before um, he did anything else, the the very I think it was his first touch on the ball was just, he, he just moved it to one side and took two Coventry defenders completely out of the game. And I thought, oh, hang on a sec, he looks he looks a little bit different this time. He looks a little bit more up for it. And then there was that sort of 40-yard carry to relieve the pressure. There was the ball into Danny Ward that Danny Ward should have scored. Uh, yeah, he, he was just really, really good, wasn't he? Yeah, excellent on, on pretty much every aspect. He had that, as you say, he made that ball for, for Danny Ward, got a key pass there, had three dribbles. Uh, after he came on, beat, beat a man three times is what that means, uh, rather than just carrying the ball, which is the most of anyone on the pitch. And bear in mind, he only played 25 minutes. His passing range was was excellent. He stepped up and got that, scored that penalty as well. We were wondering who was going to take that because yeah. <laughs> none of the obvious takers were on the pitch at the time. I don't think Danny Ward particularly fancies them, having missed one earlier this season. And uh, Jordan Rhodes had gone off, Dwayne Holmes had gone off, so Tino stepped up. I spoke to him afterwards, he just said, yeah, I knew I was going to score it. Very, very confident, laid-back young man. Um, But just great to see, and you just hope that that is the start of something now from Tino Andrew, because if Town have that player all of a sudden out of nowhere to take into the playoffs, rather than that being a, you know, that's it, that's your lot from him, we're going to get back to seeing pretty anonymous performances out of him from now on. If that is the start of something, then that is a huge, huge asset for town and a new sort of X factor that they have going into the playoffs. Yeah, and it's that thing of looking after him in the best possible way you can and then potentially asking for him back next season. Who knows what could happen? But he he is, we've always said, when you do the scouting and when you look at him, he, he had the potential to almost immediately become one of the most talented players in that town squad and I don't think there's enough time for him to to do that because I think realistically you know hopefully there's what four games of the season left even if town gets to the fourth I'm not sure he can play 90 minutes you know even at that point I think he might it would be good to see him get an hour an hour wouldn't it start Mm. and get an hour against Bristol for for instance but He's just he's just got a little bit of X factor, hasn't he? He's just got a little bit of something different, and it's I th- I think one thing that quite a few town players lack is that confidence to take a man on repeatedly, and that is something. And Andrew is not a player who wants to die asking, is he? He will <laughs> he will keep <laughs> taking his man on time and time again, and uh, yeah, you know it was it was great to see, and he was he was playing on the right at one point. He did switch and play on the left at one point. He was virtually playing as a second striker at one point. Yeah, so he he's was, yeah. you know he's he's versatile enough to make an impact in different areas as well. Yeah, it feels like you would have him in. We were wondering whether he would maybe come from midfield, whether he'd play him from the wings. And I think probably 
you would have him in those more attacking positions, wouldn't you? You'd have him oh, as, yeah, as yeah. one of the front three, or he could be. To be, to be honest, he could be ideal for. We've talked about that. You mentioned second striker there. They've, we've seen a lot this season that Carlos has gone to a front two and ended up playing a striker, whether that be Rhodes or Ward, plus another player, which could be Sonani, Thomas. You know, O'Brien has done it. Holmes has done it. Andrin could be ideal for that, mm-hmm. actually. Um, it's effectively where he played against Coventry. It's it's nice to have the options. I mean, injury-wise, I think they're they're hoping to get Danel Sonani back this weekend. Thorba Thomas, I think they're hopeful they can get him back for the playoffs. So he's he's injured the, the bone just below his knee, but I think they're they've they've spoken to a specialist. They're hopeful that they can get him back for the playoffs, which would be obviously an enormous boon for them. So they should be getting you know Josh Caroma. I don't think his injury is too serious. Danny Ward has come back. Levi Colwell's come back, and Matty Pearson we asked about, and Carlos said we probably won't know about Matty Pearson until basically a couple of days before the playoff game. So fair enough. But I mean, there's plenty of other teams around the division that have. Injury problems of their own town aren't unique in that. The more players they can get back, the better. Um, but they do seem to have the options. We've talked about it repeatedly. Whoever they put in, they keep finding ways to win at the moment. Yeah, it's a very good habit to have, isn't it? It's it's. We spoke about um, momentum and not overly rotating because I think the playoffs are such a weird little island of football they're such an odd thing and like I've tried to do some you know like showing how the sausage is made a little bit me and Steve are struggling for things to write about a little bit at the moment because it's it's difficult at this point of the season because the football isn't particularly meaningful for town until we get into the playoffs and I was looking trying to find some patterns and stuff in playoff games and what town might expect and finishing in a certain place what does that usually produce and you know there's very it's completely random there's very yeah. little causality to any of it. Even if when you look at sides that have been... I thought, okay, I was looking at the Bournemouth situation and I thought, well, if they drop into the playoffs, there's there's no way they can go up having been top two all season. But that has happened before and teams have gone up. You know, Fulham, Fulham did it a couple of years ago. So I think just keeping the momentum up and just keeping your foot on the throttle is basically all you can really do and then just hope for the best when the playoffs come round and I think Corbyn has done exactly the right thing really I think three changes was probably the right thing to do and I wouldn't be surprised if there was another three against Bristol to be honest with you but yeah just just keep the ball rolling isn't it just keep the ball rolling that's it I mean they can get to 82 points Still, if they win against Bristol City on the final day, I doubt it means much to to anyone in that squad, except perhaps Jonathan Hogg. But it would be one point more than they got in 2017, mm. which would feel like something. They can't finish lower than fourth now, so they're already going to finish higher than they did in 2017. But uh, as you say, I think these things do kind of go out the window when the actual playoffs roll around. I mean, I was looking at it earlier and just thinking about town's record against the teams they could end up facing over the two legs obviously they they can't play forest or bournemouth now uh in the, in the playoff semi-final so it's either going to be luton sheffield united or middlesbrough and those are three teams that if you took their results this season and took them as aggregate scores town win all of them <laughs> so but i think we know as you say that that form does go out the window previous results do go out the window but 
as we said last week, they do need to go into this playoff campaign feeling like they've got nothing to fear, don't they? Yeah, definitely, definitely. That like, <laughs> I think if you look at those three sides realistically, I think Luton is is horrible because Luton can. Like tactically and what have you, Luton can be really, really good, and they can be they can do a number on a lot of teams. And my worry would be that Luton would be trying to win by you know one goal over 180 yeah. minutes and just try and really make it tight and controlled. And the problem is with that is I just that they're the sort of games that Town really still struggle a little bit in. The flip side to that is if Town go and get a goal, Luton's game plan has to go out the window. So there's always they're always a bit of a knife edge them. Sheffield United are just a funny side, aren't they? Mm. <laughs> they're just a weird side. It just completely depends which Sheffield United turn up on the day. They they're capable of blowing Town away in one leg and capable of losing the game in one leg. Absolutely no problem whatsoever. And Middlesbrough, you know, we went up to Middlesbrough, Steve, for that away game. They they weren't at their best. They were tired after a very long week. But they're a little bit... I feel like Middlesbrough are a team in transition at the moment. They're, they're going up at the moment genuinely wouldn't suit them <laughs> in, a, in a funny sort of way. The, the worst thing that could happen to them is promotion because they're just... They've got. There's nobody in that squad who is Premier League ready. So, yeah, there's lots of different challenges potentially to come, and it's it's Town have just got a sort of really whoever they play. I think the key thing is Town have really just got to sort of focus on their own game. Yeah, yeah. I actually sort of disagree with you on the tight games don't favour Town thing because when you look at a lot of the tight games this season, it's almost been laughable that the, the the results they've got in games where it's very tight in possession or very tight in XG or a bit of both like those are a lot of games that you'd expect them to draw and yet overwhelmingly they're winning them I actually asked Carlos Gorbran about it a couple of weeks ago and said you know you you'd seem to end up on you've only lost one of the I think it was 13 games or something like that that XG suggests you should be drawing like what is that down to and he immediately just said which was the one we lost so um, yeah uh, it was Forest by the way the home game against Forest but they are they are quite good in those sort of cagey games I think because they're so good defensively and their strengths are sort of set pieces and counter attacks I think where they struggle is teams that are gonna really come at them and and give them a really tough game likes of of Bournemouth and and Forest who you know that they might well they'll probably end up facing one of those two uh, at Wembley if if they get there so yeah, it's uh, it's a tricky one, but I mean, we're, we're talking a lot about the playoffs and trying to make predictions, but as we say, <laughs> it's very hard to make predictions. I think what could benefit them if they do end up facing Luton would be if Town were to finish fourth rather than third, because as we sort of talked about last week, playing the Friday-Monday, as you would do if you finished third, and going away first... I don't think it's particularly an advantage if it's a long away trip. Whereas if you finish fourth, you play fifth and you play on the Saturday at 3pm and then on Tuesday night and that away trip suddenly isn't so bad from a recovery perspective. But yeah, we're we're trying to sort of predict the unpredictable here and try to put a sensible framework around something where common sense and logic doesn't necessarily apply, unfortunately. Yeah, I I mean, there is a world where they could finish fourth quite quite easily. Um, 
like the Bristol game I'm, is a funny one because Bristol are they've been bad this season, but they score bundles of goals. I think they've only been outscored by Forest, Bournemouth, and Fulham. Yeah. So they won. They won five nil at the weekend, didn't they? Yeah. Um. I think they've got sixty odd. So that's that's a it's a funny game really because they've they've sort of nothing to lose from it. Um. But I, I don't know. I think, as I said, in player football, I think everything pretty much goes out, out the window because you can tactically plan and try to plot out the two legs. But if you go and lose 2-0 in the first one, everything goes out the window anyway. If you, In a funny way, if you go and win 2-0 in the first leg, everything goes yeah. out the window too. It's They're just very, very difficult games to plot a course through, really. But the, the, we did a... We did an HTSA uh, event on Thursday uh, for an excellent film called How Huddersfield Town Won the FA Cup, which is now on YouTube. Uh, and we are in the centenary. And we did a little Q&A after. And one of the questions was, you know, it, is promotion a good thing for Huddersfield Town? I think just being in the playoffs and just being at this end of the season and just being involved in the discourse proves that it's a good thing you know regardless of what may happen in the future win lose or draw because town are being talked about town are being featured in nationals etc mm-hmm. it's it's good isn't it it's fun it is those nationals sniffing around giving coverage to the club they've not cared about all season mm. <laughs> read local for your proper coverage no i mean it's it's nice to be talked about. Um, you know, it's good that you've got the Athletic who have shown practically no interest in town all season coming down to talk to Levi Colwell. It sort of shows the uh, the the interest that is around them and the story that sort of sprung up. You know, we've had Telegraph down as well talking to Carlos, and I think people have sort of twigged that there is a story there that isn't just the former. You know, Bielsa's assistant doing well. I think people have sort of twigged that. Town are doing things on their own terms, and you know are, are looking to bounce back now. Whether they'll get there in the end, or whether it's sort of a glorious falling short this season, I think either way we need to bear in mind. And I think we might have said this recently, but it does bear repeating. Bear in mind what a magnificent season Town have had. Either way, and I think to be fair, a lot of the clamour on on Twitter, I've not seen many people going, yeah, we have to go and win this now, let's get into the playoffs. It's a lot of people going, what a great season, what a great achievement just to get into the top six. And I think that is probably the attitude to have, to be honest, because then anything else you get after that is a is a delightful bonus, really. I mean, we touched on this at that Q&A for the, the HCSA, the Centenary of the FA Cup, which is a really good night. Thank you to everyone who, who came out for that. Um, but do you think going up would be a good thing for town at this stage is it too soon um well i think there's and a, i had to go first the other night so you can go first this time <laughs> i think there's a couple of different aspects to it i think i think if they go up i think everybody needs to accept that when you look at town side i think i think lee nichols is fine i think lewis o'brien is nearly premier league ready he needs to just add basically more goals and assists that's the that's the bottom line or he he would be playing in the premier league already but a, a, apart from that nearly every position you would probably say needs an upgrade and that's a level of recruitment that town can't realistically do so you have to it's not progressive and it's not uh ambitious but i i think 
I think if Town got promoted, the way to do it, and I said this at the Q&A, is to build a side that could win the following year's championship and maybe come up and bounce and come up a little bit stronger and in more of a position to have a go. Because like as good as they've been this season, and they have been brilliant, they're... they're they're sort of massively overperforming, and you can. There are stats that prove it. There's the, for instance, the open play XG where they're only outperforming the bottom three. That's it, and mm. you can't, you can't ignore that. But at the same time, it's it's weird because nobody, everybody talks about the Premier League as right. You get a blank check for 125 million quid. And everybody conveniently forgets that nobody has ever made a profit from being in the Premier League for a season. <laughs> that's that's the thing. It's it costs you on lots of levels. So I think they would have to prepare carefully for it. I think, as I said, they would realistically have to try and set themselves up to bounce. I mean, potentially even a couple of times to get themselves into mm-hmm. a position where they could really have a run at you know four or five years in the league. But at the same time, it's promotion. If you're not in it to win it then what are you yeah. playing for what yeah what you know these this is the thing i think you could say all of this about probably all the teams you know you've already said it about borough mm. i think you'd probably say it about luton who as much as we I, I don't think you'd recruitment. say it about sheffield united i think no, she- sheffield so united than. have massively underperformed this season and i think yeah. forest as well have got I think Forest have got that they feel a little bit like Brentford in that they've probably got half a side that if they supplement it yeah. correctly, they they've probably got a chance of having a go as well. Yeah, but you know you you've got to go for it, you know, because mm. if you don't go for it, you know who knows when these chances are going to come exactly. around again, kind of thing. Exactly, so. it could be another five years, could be another fifty years. It football is weird. <laughs> football is weird. Mm. So. Yeah, it uh, it's very difficult to say. I think the problem is, I think the problem is with this is the question is is flawed, isn't it? Because it's not whether promotion is a good thing or a bad thing. It's not a good thing or a bad thing, is it? It's just a thing that you have to deal with, and it's how you deal with it for the long term benefit of the club, isn't it? What's what's your take then? Pretty much agree. Yeah, I think you you have to. We sort of touched on it a couple of weeks ago, but I think you have to be very careful with how you do those signings. You need to make sure you get players who are going to be still content and happy and motivated and determined to keep going mm. if and when you do get relegated, which is easier said than done. Um, as you say, I think you need to. You almost you, you do need to spend all the money you get from the TV money just to try and compete in the Premier League, which I think a lot of people don't realise. But I think you can and hold I don't a think, little. I, I'll be honest with you. Just before you move on, I I wouldn't advocate that for Town. If I'm honest, I I yeah. it, 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 like they've just sorted the squad out. <laughs> haven't they they've, yeah. they've just got the wage bill where they want it and e- even mm. then I think they probably want to trim a little bit off it but the last thing they want to do I don't want to name individuals but I'm going to have to they don't need a dear Carby Bakuna and Mbenza on the wage bill again do they no no exactly so yeah they need but a Steve Mooney eh, for instance would be yeah. fine as we said mm. a couple of weeks ago so yeah they they, they they do need to be careful with the recruitment, but I think that's always the case. You know, I think you, you, the the question is, well, if they don't go up, are they in a position to challenge again? And I think they would need to to add players to to do that as well. But I think there's, mm. you know, when you think about the fact that Colwell's going to go, um, and 
you know, you're likely to, to lose one or two players in sales. They do need to, to do, there is a recruitment job to do and I'm sure they've already got targets in mind and that's to say nothing of a few squad players who are likely to leave like Fraser Campbell or Naby Saar, players who are going to be out of contract who it doesn't, you know, there's been no particular word that they're looking at getting contract extensions, not to mention, you know, Josh Caroma, Harry Toffolo were still yet to get a resolution on them. Although I think at this point, probably they'll get that done once the season's over, won't they? Because why, why have the distraction of it now? But yeah, I don't know. It's, I think it's a, I think it's an interesting question to sort of think about, but I think there's not really a world where the the better answer is, well, it's better to stay down, even though for me personally, I think the championship is more fun to cover and more fun to watch than watching them lose 50% of their Mm. games in the the Premier League at at best. So I think that the recruitment thing is the thing that's one of the big keys to it. And my, my, my worry is that they've had two exceptional transfer windows and a really good one in a row but that's recruiting for a certain level and a certain player and a a certain profile when you go into the Premier League you need a very different level and a very different profile of player and it's they're much harder frankly they're much harder to get hold of (laughs) they don't Mm. if they existed on every street corner then every team would be better than they are so that's why I'm sort of advocating that if they go up like the planning to bounce is is probably yeah is probably where I'd I'd put them really because it it would be very very difficult to stay up this time because I think the level in the Premier League I think people like people have a lot of memories of that second season and you jumped on board Steve I think your first game was the game they got relegated wasn't it that's right yeah yeah against Palace yeah well like you you saw the first season in the championship the sort of PTSD that was was sort of rife oh, through yeah. that squad um they've got it at all costs they've got to avoid that if they went back down so that's why you've almost got to sort of start planning the the day after the playoffs end to avoid these scenarios but the other side to this is town have very recent history with this very very recent history you know there's people at the club who've experienced everything that's gone on over the last five years and will have learned lessons and won't just Mm want to make the same mistakes so they're not they're not in a bad position from that point of view but yeah it's just not particularly exciting to sort of say well if they went up the best thing they could do is plan for the following year in the championship but also we're just trying to be ultimately be realistic and if you set that as your bar (laughs) and you get anything else then it's wonderful isn't it yeah and we're being very very premature here because they've not even got through a semi-final yet let alone um a final let alone won the final so you know i think it's it's going to be tough games whoever they get um Obviously, we know that that second is out of the question now, really, unless Town were to go and win 25-0 on the final day. Yeah, but to to play out the other scenario then, like Town, Town, I don't know, Town play Luton and they, a bit of glorious failure over two legs. Say they, I don't know, they lose on penalties. I I don't think that hurts them particularly either because some of the, suddenly then they are recruiting to bolster what is already quite a good squad's over the summer but they're doing it as sort of losing playoff uh semi-finalists it just puts you in front of a different profile of player doesn't it and you just become a far more attractive proposition because you've just had this success and you've got people talking about you and agents talk and players talk etc and they will only be saying good things at the moment about being at Huddersfield Mm -hmm. Town so 
I think what people need to understand is, promotion or not, Town have genuinely engineered a no-lose scenario here, which is what is quite remarkable, really, when they were favourites to go down with a lot of bookies at the start of the season. That is is quite remarkable. Yeah, I think they're in a, a very good position and... You know, I think if they if they were not to go up, then I'd be interested to see how quickly we start to see those signings announced because we got them pretty much straight after yeah. the, end of the season last <laughs> yeah. year. You, you, I, I do sort of wonder how that works. It's not something I'm, I'm particularly have insider knowledge of. Is is do they have a list of targets who they're basically got on reserve, saying, "Look, we'll sign you <laughs> the moment we know we're staying in the championship." Is is that how it works, or do they? I've absolutely no idea. I I don't know. You know. I I I know one club works with sort of they have their A targets, B targets, C targets, and they usually try and line up one of the lower end and effectively say to them, "We'll sign you if we can't sign someone else." So it's a bit of a food chain going on. I've no idea how Town did it. Town were on a mission last summer. That was quite clear. Looking back, they were on a mission to. Mm-hmm. I think more than anything, Town wanted everyone that that they could to have a full pre-season with Carlos Corbrand, didn't yes, they? Yes, absolutely. That that was the thing. Yeah. So, and Lee Bromby's talked about how the couple of players that you know, likes of Danal Sanani, who didn't really get that, they feel that they would have had a, a massive benefit from mm. having had the full pre-season. So, I think they know how important it is to get business done early. What I mean, though, is just like. I imagine there are certain targets who, if you're still in the championship, would be a great signing. But if you mm. get promoted to the Premier League, you probably wouldn't bother picking them up. You, do you know what I mean? But, <laughs> you know? I mean, again, these are these are the good problems to have, aren't they? And the other thing is, yeah. if you've got if you've got a couple of targets that you'd really like to bring to the club, but they're unrealistic. So I'm talking about like higher end champ players, but then suddenly you're the team that gets promoted. Suddenly they mm-hmm. become realistic targets. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're, again, it's a food chain thing, isn't it? You, you, your place moves in and amongst the food chain, and that puts you in front of a differing set of players as you go, doesn't it? But yeah, it really is a no lose scenario this summer, to be to be honest. And on paper, at least. Yeah, yeah. You know, cut to three games into next season, Carlos Corbran sacked, half the team gone, town in relegation <laughs> form. <laughs> No, but it, the the simple truth is, it just regardless, it just doesn't feel like that's going to happen, does it? That's it. It feels like they've got something to build on either way here, which mm. is, I think, all anyone ever wants. And you know that they've they've got themselves into this position through you know having a, a really talented coach, through excellent recruitment, through having a dressing room and a set of players who uh, you know full of determination, give their everything every game, find ways to win even when they're not playing well. You know everything has sort of come together this season in a in a really nice way. And you know I said it at the the event the other night, but I think it is important. You know for all we just spent twenty minutes talking about it. I think if you're a fan, there's a, a, to a certain extent there is you do just need to enjoy these days at the moment and these next couple of weeks because as we say they don't come around very often and you know it's easy to worry about what might be happening a few months from now but I think you do need to sort of appreciate things in the moment as much as you can and and you know try and enjoy the playoffs now mm. well yes yeah, if you but saying that like we are we are invested neutral, Steve. As fans, the playoffs, yeah. we need to acknowledge they are horrible. <laughs> they do <laughs> absolutely put you through the, the ringer. Um, I have 
I think I have one good experience of the playoffs and the rest has just been an abject tale of misery. So, yeah, it is it is <laughs> it is a horrible few days. It is a horrible few days. There we go. So much to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, this is the I think one of the things it's worth saying is that one of the things this season has done for town is that and what's really good and really bad equally is that people care again, you know, and getting that That's level it. of investment back in the team and, and back in the side is, is is down to a lot of things, but also that emotional investment, it does put you through the ringer like nothing else on earth. There you go. Dave, thanks for joining us. Thank you to everyone, as I say, who came down to the event the other night. Really enjoyed seeing you all and answering your questions, etc. And we'll be back with you for the... I guess, do we do? No, we can't do an end-of-season review next week, can we? But we can have some thoughts on the th- the 46 games next week and then start looking forward to the playoffs. We'll obviously know by then who Town have got in the playoffs. We can start looking forward to that properly. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.